You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals. Welcome. Welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Glad you guys are here with me, hanging out, for us to have just a little chat here for the next hour or so. Shouldn't be that long. Plus, you can always listen to me at at double speed. Is that possible? Probably not. Probably not. I talk pretty fast. I get it. Every time I try to slow down, it sort of works. And then I get really excited about something and then I start talking even faster. So we'll see. I do try. Maybe you guys have to listen to me at 0.75 speed or something. But that's the lovely thing of podcasts, right? You can adjust it and you can kind of make the speaker move at whatever speed you want her to be. So I I do kind of like that about podcasts. So Today in the closet, I just want to talk about for a bit, maybe just hopefully this is just encouraging. I want to ask us some questions, but it's really all underneath one big question. And the big question for you, for me, is what gets you out of bed in the morning? Why do you get up? (laughs) It might seem like kind of a simple question, and perhaps this is one that I don't know, maybe you've had some ups and downs with seasons of depression and just had some seasons sometimes when you're like, man, why am I getting up today? Why am I getting up? Now, sometimes there's some of you guys out there that just you gals just jump out of bed and you love it. Maybe it's something you're looking forward to that day. And so you're just excited. Other things that get us up are just maybe even the mundane, the responsibilities. I've got to get up. I got to do it, right? It's it's pretty easy, or I shouldn't say easy, but I guess the answer is clear when you've got little tiny kids, you know, because if you don't get up and feed them, they don't eat. This is kind of a problem. So sometimes it's responsibility that gets up. Sometimes, like I said, it's the excitement. It's the I get to. I get to do this today, whatever that is. But I wonder sometimes, do we ask ourselves, do we pause and do we go, man, what is the purpose to it? What I mean, I'm not trying to get all weird, Amy, philosophical, you know, meaning of life kind of thing. But yet I kind of am because I actually think the Bible answers this question very simply for us and very purpose driven. Now, I want to say purpose driven, not from like the, you know, the great little Christian book that was written or something that not really down with much of that book, but There is purpose to our life, and the Bible actually tells us what it is. And I think sometimes we lose it. We lose it either because our days just are filled with stuff, or we're filled with tons and tons of responsibility, or maybe you're on the other end of that spectrum and you're just so excited about every possible thing you get to do that day. We still can lose what's underneath it. What's the purpose to it? Why are we doing this thing? And what is it that drives us? And I think as Christians, gals, we should have an answer to that that would always be consistent, no matter the season, no matter the trial, no matter the joy that we're in. There's always going to be this underlying purpose for all of it. There was a kind of a sad Wall Street Journal article that I read not too long ago. And I saved it and I pulled it up because, and I know where we we all know we read the news and it, it's, have we, has anybody seen a positive survey lately? It's been a while. It's been a minute since we've seen a really happy survey, but this one was really no different. And in this one, it was a Wall Street Journal and they were pointing out that 39% of the people that responded to this view religion as important to them personally, 39%. It's not that high. This was a decline from 70% in 
when this initiative was first began back in 1998. Now, 38% of the respondents said that it also went into some political stuff. It said 38% of the respondents said the same about patriotism, that they valued religion, they valued patriotism, but both of those things, religion and patriotism, were both down from 70% about a quarter of a century ago, which Can I just say the fact that 1998 was a quarter of a century ago? Wow, I might need a minute on that. But when I when I read that, wow, I guess that the math does add up. But anyway, almost a quarter of a century ago, it was 70 percent of people that were interviewed that were responding to these surveys said that religion was important to them. Patriotism was important to them. Other things that they polled in this survey, it said values such as having children, community service, those got about the same result at about 30%, which is a decline from 59% back in 1998. I'm still not over the fact that 1998 was a quarter of a century ago. Could they say that in a little less, in a way that does not make us feel as old right now? But that's beside my point. All these declines and things that we used to see as valuable, religion, love of your country, community, serving the community, having kids, all these things. Those were definitely over half of Americans, 59% for some of those and 70% was the response. But those were important to us as Americans. And now that's like drifting into the 30s. Well, that's kind of a bummer. So I guess the question that's asked in this survey answered it. So if those things are not as important to you, what is important to the people that were asked this question, the people they surveyed, what is the important thing? And this is what it said. The only priority that has grown over the past two and a half decades is money. It said 43% of Americans now value that as very important, which was an increase from the 30% back in 1998. So the only one of these things that they were asked on that actually is more valuable to people now is money. Not religion, not love of country, not family, not community service, but money. And we all know my purpose on this podcast is not necessarily to tackle the fleeting nature of riches and wealth and all those things. The Bible doesn't say that that money is evil. It does say the love of money is evil, though. And we know that it's so fleeting. Goodness, if you've been an adult for five minutes, you have already learned that as you pay your bills, it's easy come, easy go, isn't it, right? I mean, we have economic cycles that people worry about. And we have, when you have kids, everything gets super expensive all of a sudden. And I still am not over how much eggs cost right now. But economies get good, economies get bad, they kind of go, come and go. But for that to be the thing that over time, Americans are saying, this is actually what's more important to us than these things that have this lasting nature. So this takes me back to my original question when I started this, you know, what gets me out of bed in the morning? What is it that motivates us and drives us through our day? I do believe as Christians, that is a different answer for us probably than than the world, obviously, and clearly in that survey what you see there. But I wonder, now this survey doesn't drill down on how many of these people were Christians or not. For the most part, saying that religion's just not of value to you, that kind of tells you where it's at. That kind of tells you where our country's at in general. As I started thinking about this topic, it's one of the lists of things that, you know, I always keep like kind of a running list of things that I might do a podcast on. And then it never fails. Whenever I have a list of things, there's just something else that 
the Lord just pops in my brain out of left field that I'm like, oh, I, I didn't really know I wanted to to talk about that. And then and then he just keeps showing me scriptures. And and I will admit, gals, that sometimes I wonder, is he just doing this to be an encouragement to me? I do feel so encouraged when I get to look at some of these scriptures and things like that. But I really felt like I was supposed to share this for you all today. So maybe some of this will be just a reminder Probably nothing like earth shattering or anything like that, but we do always need to be reminded in the scriptures. We need to hear the same scriptures over and over and over and over again. And when we feel that peace in our brain that's like, oh, I already heard this verse so many times, man, that needs to be the moment that we that we challenge ourselves and, and say, yeah, but, but do I have the scripture memorized then? If I think I know the scripture so much, then maybe I need to commit it to memory or maybe I need to share it with someone else. But don't let yourself fall into that camp where you're like, oh, I've, I've heard this too many times. Where some of this started to years ago, I was I was at a conference actually for my husband and we met someone that was sitting at our table. He was also a believer, which was kind of amazing because this was not he wasn't with a Christian company or anything like that. This was not somewhere where I expected to see other believers, but got to talking to this guy and and learned that he he was a Christian in our conversation in there. Sometimes they have those thought-provoking table questions that they that they are asking you about. And I don't know if it was really related to that or if he just felt like he wanted to throw this out there. But very well-meaning. But he asked me what I thought my purpose was. What is your purpose, Amy? And this, to me, is this is the question. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What is your purpose? What are you here for? Now, I responded with truly what I truly to believe to be the answer. And I said, to glorify God. And again, he was really well-meaning, I'm sure, but he kind of belittled my answer a bit. He was like, yeah, 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 I get that, of course, but what's your purpose? As if there was another answer to be had. I don't know why it is, but I mean, like I said, that happened years ago. And I think about that conversation often. It's just kind of always bugged me a little bit in the back of my mind. Why was that answer, why was it not enough? Why this guy who, for as far as I can tell, is a born-again believer, also seeks to glorify the Lord, why was my answer that my purpose in my life is to bring glory to God not sufficient? And it just kind of bugged me. I think I'm just going to go ahead and stick to my answer. I'm going to stick to it. I'm not going to be ashamed of my Christian-y sounding answer, I suppose. And, I, and I'm sure that is what it sounds like. But if we want to think about what should be the foundation, uh, what motivates us for anything, what motivates us for the mundane of just getting up in the morning, or what motivates you in your parenting, in your marriage, in the job that you have, there should be an underlying purpose there. Because otherwise, don't you think it just kind of gets like, it's meaningless. What are you doing it for? I want to give you some scriptures today to just encourage you in this today. Maybe like me, you've had a very Christian-y sounding answer that our purpose is to glorify God. And I want to encourage you that actually that's a very biblical answer. And no matter the season we're in, no matter the trial we face, I think this purpose is one that's worth meditating on. So I'm going to give us some scriptures on this very focus. But one of the things, this is where I'm going to reveal a whole bunch of my ignorance on this. But there is a document called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It was completed in 1647 by the Westminster Assembly, which as I kind of read a little bit about this, because I'm like I said, I'm I'm putting my ignorance on grand display here. I don't know 
a whole lot about this. It's a Calvinist document. So if you're Arminian, please don't stop listening, you know, because <laughs> I'm probably a Calvinist. I don't know what that would actually look like. I just, we just want to stick with what the what the Bible says. So not my point to get into this, but this document is something that is a very Calvinist and very reformed document. And it's and it's a list of questions. A catechism is something where they ask a question and they respond with an answer. And then they provide some scriptures that, you know, back those things up. It's a really long document. I had never read the full thing. I just read it when I was looking at this podcast today. But I just want to focus on the very first one, because the very first question that is asked within this catechism, it says, what is the chief end of man? So I think that's a very fancy 1647 way of saying, what gets you up in the morning? What's your purpose? What are you doing? So that's the question they ask. What is the chief end of man? And then the answer they give is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. If I could just pause even right there, can I just say that I love the simplicity of that? I feel like there's so much noise in our world that it is just consoling. (laughs) It feels um, like a balm on my busy and probably way too cluttered brain to just focus on those two things that our end, our focus, our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So a couple scriptures on this. Glorify God. Where does the scriptures tell us that? One of them is Psalm 86, 9, and it says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. That we are here to glorify. When it talks about the nations, you can go ahead and throw us right in there. All of the nations are made to worship before the Lord and glorify his name. Isaiah 60 verse 21 says, Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. All the things that we do, all the work of my hands, the purpose right there says that I might be glorified, I being the Lord. Romans eleven thirty six, For from him and through him and to him, are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That's a lovely one, isn't it? For from him and through him and to him are all things. You could meditate just on those scriptures and and kind of run your life through that sieve right there. Are the things that you're doing, are you doing them for him? For him, because it says all things. For him be glory forever. Also, 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I'm going to come back to that one in a little bit and expound on that one a little bit. But bought with a price. And we know what that price was. Christ on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate cost. And the he bought us. We were pricey here is what it's saying. So glorify God with your body. Also, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Again, that's another one I think I'm going to come back to in just a minute because talk about all the mundane, all the little things. It says to do all those things to the glory of God. And finally, Revelation 4.11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, that final one I just read in the in the King James, I was raised on the King James, uh, was a 1984 NIV girl for a long time, and now I mostly study within the ESV. But there are certain things that my brain still has memorized within the King James, and I just love how it says that. In that particular, that last line, it says, for thy pleasure, they are and were created. 
we don't necessarily think of ourselves as being created with the purpose of bringing pleasure to us, to our town, to, you know, to our family, to our church. No, it says actually we're created for his pleasure. So many things right there. We could deconstruct on the culture of what they say that we're here for, and it's never for the pleasure of the one who created us. I love Revelation 4.11. I refer to this often because it reminds me of why I was created, that I was created to bring him pleasure, not myself, but him. Then the second part of that catechism, it says, was to enjoy him forever. This, to me, is one of the things I have not necessarily focused on that portion of this line, but I thought I would go ahead and read the scriptures that are associated with that because I, I think they're, such, they're so good. But it says in Psalm 16, this one's a little bit longer, Psalm 16, starting in verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Now, I shoot, I'm going to pause here real quick because the Lord is my chosen portion. In the Hebrew, I studied one time that chosen means assigned. Like you are actually assigned. The thing that you're doing right now, the station you're at right now, the work that you're doing, the single life that you have right now, the husband you have right now, assigned portion. That was your chosen portion. I love that. Okay. I'll start over because I got sidetracked. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You may make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, remember, this is all within the section of the catechism that was saying, talking about that our, the chief end of man is to glorify God. And then the second part is to enjoy him forever. Do we think about this passage? Like, you know, go read Psalm 16 and think about the things that the Lord has designated here that we can enjoy about him. And how much blessing is there? That line where it says, you instruct me even at night. I sometimes think this is fully revealed when you wake up at like three in the morning and you're all of a sudden just thinking about something out of nowhere. I've learned over the years that those are usually times that the Lord is prompting me to be praying about something. And so that's typically what I do. And I turn that part of my brain on at 3 a.m. and start praying about stuff. Isn't it interesting? He tells us in his word even that he instructs us even at night. See, that's a blessing. That is something to be enjoyed about the Lord, that that he does all of that. I mean, he's just so thorough and he's so kind in his care for us. Psalm 144, 15 says, blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall and blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. We are blessed. That word blessed can mean happy, that God is our God, that he is our Lord. The world tries to make it sound like if you're a Christian and you're under this crazy, you know, mean ogre in the sky, that you're miserable, that your life is terrible. And it is such a lie. It's such a lie. We have the promise from scripture that says, blessed are people whose God is the Lord. And I think if you're like me in your own life, but also in the lives that you observe of people around you, oh man, Christians are like the most crazy happy people ever. And if they're not, we need to ask ourselves, or if you're not, you need to ask yourself, how come? What's going on there? Because blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. 
couple more. Isaiah 12, 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. That's such a great verse to just hang on to when it feels like you need some salvation, you know? Times are really hard. Things are really difficult. I don't see out of this situation that I'm in, but it's the Lord that is our strength and our song, and he has become our salvation. We don't have to focus on us. We get to focus on the Lord and enjoy him. The last one I just wanted to share was Philippians 4.4, 4, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Try to hear that verse. Try to read that verse and not smile. The Lord says that we can be happy. We can rejoice that he is our God. And, and you know, that promise in Isaiah 12 that he, he takes care of us and that we don't need to be afraid. That he's our strength and he's our song. Those are things to rejoice about. And enjoy the Lord. A couple things about both of these things is I do think as we look at some of the, maybe the practical, and I'm going to get into that in just a sec, of our lives and how does this glorify the Lord? Sometimes the mundane is really hard to translate into or lets us lose perhaps that eternal perspective. And I think it is so important to keep that eternal perspective going because Sometimes we just do stuff we don't want to do. We do stuff that's hard. We do stuff that is really miserable. Everything from your kids seemingly to have the stomach flu for like three weeks. I remember that season where I felt like I was cleaning up kid throw up for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was just never ending. Okay, you have to do it. That's not super fun. It's really hard to find the joy of the Lord at that moment, but it needs to be done. Eternal perspective, though. Heavenly perspective, the worst possible day that you have, isn't forever. This too shall pass, right? People, people encourage you that the scriptures tell us that this too shall pass. But I love this in Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's Revelation 21, three and four. So those couple verses right there in Revelation can really encourage you on the worst, terrible, no good day. You know, this will pass away and we won't have any more death. We won't have any more tears. We won't have any more anxiety, depression. There won't be all of the, the worst of the worst that we see in the news. All of it goes away. All of it goes away and we will get to dwell with the Lord forever. So encourage yourself in that on that worst possible day. And if that is today for you, read that verse over and over and over. Now, sadly, or maybe just the reality is that often our purpose drifts somewhere as we are just surrounded by our routines, our habits, the things that we do. But I think maybe that's one of the reasons perhaps that I cling to the simple Christian motivation or purpose because it forces me to reevaluate even the simple, even the habits. It forces me to reevaluate my schedule, my routines. What am I doing? Are the things that I'm doing, do they glorify God, causing me to enjoy him? Like, do we actually ask ourselves or do we just kind of barrel through life and just keep going and don't pause? And I think if we don't pause and really reflect on this, I think we might miss out on some stuff. I, I think for sure it will make you not live with that absolute purpose and intention that he intended for you to, but we might miss some opportunities too, that when you're presented with two things to go, man, does this glorify the Lord or would this glorify the Lord? 
sometimes that's going to be a really clear answer. You're going to be like, oh, wow, that clearly does not glorify the Lord. And so we should kind of have this very simple purpose, maybe on the tip of our tongue. Does this action glorify the Lord? Does this thought, does this book, does this movie, does this music I listen to, does this opportunity that I work at or different things, am I glorifying the Lord in this? So what does that look like? I'll just hit on a couple, but man, you could take this in so many directions because I just think this is so, so, so practical. But think about church. Do you go to church? Do you really go to church? Meaning, are you with humans where you're praying corporately, you're worshiping together, or are you kind of a couch Christian, you know, post-COVID style? That has become a big, big thing. Now, I am thrilled that we have access to such great teaching online. I'm thankful for technology. And yes, there is always, always, always exceptions. I'm so thankful that it's there. I actually have a family. uh, My sweet father-in-law is going through a cancer battle. He's had seasons where he's been able to get back into church. And then, man, everything kicks in. The the pain kicks in, those bad days, all the stuff, and, and he's home. So we're so thankful that there's church available still in that way. But for most of us, this is the thing. You usually can go to church. You usually can. Now, we make a lot of excuses. We're just like, well, my kids are playing sports right now and it's really busy. Or, And I'll just pause on that one real quick. If that's your camp where you're like, it's just a season and we'll get back into church, I would really caution you on that one because that is one that is very slippery. And those seasons turn from one to two. Not always, not always, but they can. And I'm telling you, the greatest thing you can do for your kids is to teach them how important church is. Not their soccer schedule, not their basketball schedule, not their football schedule. Teach them how important church is and do whatever you possibly can. Will it be inconvenient? Oh, yeah, it'll be totally inconvenient. And you may even find yourself driving one place and and then having to pick up a kiddo somewhere else so that you can get back over and still get to church on time. And you're going to get to bed late and everyone's going to be tired the next morning. Yep, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So much better to show it's you need it just as much as your kids, but showing that that is what's really important. But we're told that we should go to church. You know, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you ever feel like you read a passage and you're like, that was actually written for today? (laughs) I know all scripture is always applicable at any time, but my goodness, sometimes some of them just jump off the page because you can, we can do the church thing on the couch. We totally can. You're missing the church part of it. So I guess I should say you can hear a teaching, you can hear a sermon sitting on the couch, but are you able to stir up one another to love and good works from there? No, not really. When then it says neglecting to meet together, some are in the habit. But then that last part, it says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For me, when I read that, it's meaning that not church is not a got to. Like, oh, all right, I got to get there because see, this verse says that I should. And I guess if I'm asking which is going to glorify the Lord, yeah, I should probably go to church. It's not a got to. It is such a huge get to. All the more as you see the day drawing near. And the day, capital D, day of the Lord. As the world gets darker, man, the light of Christ just gets that much brighter. And it's so encouraging to go and be with other believers, stirring one another up for love and good works, like that passage said, because we need it even more 
I mean, so yes, it's a command to us to yes, go do that. But the benefits of it are just amazing. So one example of church, you can ask yourself if, if you're doing that, are you actually going and letting yourself be known by other people? Or are you do you go and kind of duck out and you kind of not doing that whole stir up one another to love and good works thing? But look at that passage and, and evaluate if you're doing those things, because that is that is an action that it would be honoring the command that the Lord has given us here at his word, but then also that underlying purpose that, man, am I glorifying the Lord? That is glorifying to the Lord to be with his people, to be loving on his people, to be taught by his word. Those are things that honor the Lord. Habits, man, we can have positive habits. We can have destructive habits, right? We can have patterns that we can fall into because, you know, at first it just seemed like this is what we do. But I even wonder if those things, we should ask ourselves if the things that we've just found, like our routines, are they serving to glorify the Lord or not? If we aren't glorifying the Lord, here's a question for you. Are we glorifying something else? Or is it possible to just not glorify anything? Is, is there a neutral here? Cambridge Dictionary, it defines glorify as to praise, honor God, or a person. So, it is absolutely possible. We see the glorification of all kinds of things, right? Celebrities and all the people, the influencers, whatever. We can totally, we're great at glorifying people. We're actually pretty good at glorifying ourselves too. Perhaps you could even see glorifying and honoring something. It can actually just be you. Choosing to do the thing, choosing to honor what your desire is over what you think, or you maybe even you know what God's desire is for you you've switched out which one we're glorifying. C.S. Lewis said one time, he said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. I read that years ago. It has stuck with me because I think it's so true. You know, regardless of what you're doing, you show preference to one thing or the other in, in every decision. You can go on a walk and get some exercise, or you can show preference to the couch, right? You can show honor to your mom or your sister or your friend by prioritizing your time to spend it with them, or you can prioritize that time elsewhere. You know, you can play whatever game on your phone or whatever. I mean, there's all kind, there's always these choices, but there's always kind of a this or a that, isn't there? And so I think C.S. Lewis is right. I, I don't think there is a neutral. So if we take that to heart and we apply what Lewis is saying here, that every square inch is claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. It brings our decisions, our choices, our priorities into focus. Now, some of you might already be into this podcast and you're like, Aim, this is just way too serious. You just have to like, you know, do you have to really think that seriously about every little thing? Well, I think 90, probably 95% of the time we kind of don't, right? And so that's why I like the encouragement to maybe just take a minute and, and just evaluate. Because I think we can even glorify the Lord in even the mundane parts of our life. I think we can do this. When we get up, you can make a choice, even in those very few first moments. Where will you spend it? I love starting my day off with the Lord. I'm kind of a morning quiet time person. Some people like to do it in the middle of the day or at the end. I totally get that. I like to do it in the first part of the day. And man, if I miss it, it's everything's off, you know? My fave lately has been when I'm not even quite with it yet, if if I'm being very real, but is to listen to a couple chapters from an audio Bible. Now, I'm going to be really honest and tell you that sometimes, yep, I have fallen back to back asleep. That has happened. 
because I'm such a checkbox marker, I can't let myself check that box off until I have actually really read it. So that happens. But the thing is, there's just something about his word being something that I hear even like very first first part of the day. It's just kind of the best way. And I've really started to love that. We all have those types of things. You can think about what you reach for very first thing in the morning. Do you reach for your Instagram reel? Do you reach for your email? Or do you reach for just listening to a psalm or two before you get up? You know, there's all these little choices that we can do. Now, I said I was going to come back to a couple of those verses that were included into the glorify God. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it said, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Okay, so how can we glorify God in our bodies? Do we even think about it that way? Does it seem strange in a way that even the body gets called out in this verse, right? It specifically calls your body out. Glorify God in your body. We can certainly see this in areas of sexual purity before marriage. And I actually even think modesty. I think you can absolutely see that in there. Are you glorifying God by the things that you choose to wear? That's a very simple thing, but I think it can have God glorifying ramifications there. What about what we feed it? I'm right now reading Elizabeth Elliott's book. It's one I had not heard of, so it kind of snuck up on me. And it's called Discipline, The Glad Surrender. If you guys have read Elizabeth Elliott before, just wholeheartedly recommend. And this book is no different. But, you know, in true Elizabeth Elliott fashion, she does not pull many punches. And my least favorite chapter that I'm that right now is that she is where she's discussing to be disciplined about what we eat. Man, even taking care of our bodies and moving it and not surrendering to just being lazy and, you know, all of that. Now, I'm not trying to be legalistic about things and get down into all this minutiae. And here's the thing I will say about legalism, too. Sometimes I think we say that, well, don't be so legalistic about things or whatever. And I think we do that almost as an excuse so that we don't have to do it. Remember, legalistic is being something that at, that it pertains to your salvation. Are you required to do certain things to be saved, you know, workspace things? Absolutely not. Scripture is super, super clear on that. And sometimes think Christians overuse that term a little bit and go, well, don't be so legalistic that I even have to like be careful about what I'm eating and be disciplined about that. That sounds a little crazy. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's not, though. Scripture, 1 Corinthians right there, did call out the body, right? Glorify God in your body. In that chapter that I was just mentioning by Elizabeth Elliott, she says, discipline for a Christian begins with the body. We have only one. I thought that was kind of a very pithy way of just pointing out to us that guess what? You only got one to work with, so you better go ahead and treat it well. She also goes on to say, we cannot give our hearts to God and keep our bodies to ourselves. Boy, that one hit a little bit. Because we like to say that we want to just surrender everything to the Lord. But then if it comes to like self-control or actually forcing ourselves to go for a walk when we really would just rather sit around and be lazy, eh, do we really need to do that? Is that really that big of a deal? I thought that was an interesting thing that we kind of like to hold that part back and, and we'll just surrender the rest to you, Lord. So you can take that as far as you know, you think about that. And I think it's interesting that there in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, so glorify God in your body. And then also in 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, in that passage, Paul is talking about food sacrifice to idols, and he, and he goes into that whole conversation. But 
the verse right there. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The thing that I love about that is with the simplicity, my point is, is that you can in everything, in everything, what you eat, what you drink, what you don't eat, what you do eat, you know, whatever you do, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I think this phrase, as simple as it is, it does hijack a lot of the nutty messages from the world too. Because the world likes to say that the purpose, what gets you up in the morning, what drives you to your next goal, to the thing that you are aspiring to do is to be happy or to be a better you. And this is actually even where I would say even the, you know, sometimes the things about our bodies, right? What we eat, if we get crazy on a diet train or, you know, an exercise thing, it can become very much about, yeah, I need to be the better version of myself. Even that needs to be examined because that's not the purpose, right? It's not to be happy. It's not to be a better me. Our purpose is not to be fulfilled or, you know, be my best self, as they say, but it is quite simply to glorify him. Now, the pushback on that sometimes is like, yes, but I can't glorify the Lord if I'm not my best self or whatever. Eh, that might be a whole nother podcast right there. We might have to talk about that one. The point is, is that where's the focus? Is it on the Lord or is it on us? Is it on me and what will make me happy? And because that's not the purpose. That is should not be what gets us up in the morning of will I be happy doing this? Nope. The purpose does this glorify God? It brings me back to what's important. I love, I love this line right here. We have a family sign in our kitchen where it says, to the glory of God and the benefit of others. So a little different than what this is, but to the glory of God and the benefit of others. So some may say that that's redundant because I think we could probably agree that benefiting and caring for others is glorifying to the Lord. I just love that the focal point that it's provided for us as a family, for our kids. And we've talked about it at length. We actually created that sign not too long after my dad died several years back. And Ephesians 1 was one of his favorite passages. He had it written all over and, and he had written that out. He had written that out in the front of his Bible or it was on his Bible. I can't remember exactly what page and it said to the glory of God and the benefit of others. And I thought, man, while the world is so focused on making us a better me and doing the things that make me happy, how's that working? When they poll, that poll that I read you, that survey I read you at the beginning of this podcast is saying that the world is less focused on the things of the Lord, right? Religion and the things that used to be very valuable. And instead, they're more focused on the money that comes and goes and the stuff that they can't hang on to. And if those things have become the purpose, making that extra buck, working a little bit harder so you earn a little bit more money, having two jobs, or how is that working out for us personally, certainly for us culturally as we, as we view what's going on around us, I don't, I don't think it's working out so well. So maybe overly spiritualized, people might look you in the eye, maybe even it'll be like that well-meaning guy at my table that said, yeah, but what's your, what really is your purpose? And I just think we can very confidently stand on the fact that it truly is our purpose to live our lives, to make our choices, the daily ones, the big ones, the ones we don't want to make, you know, all that stuff. Let's do all those things for the glory of God 
and for the benefit of others, that we may more fully just be able to walk in exactly what he's created us to be and be able to enjoy him. And even when those days are just the worst, go back and read that passage in Revelation and remind yourself that all this is passing away. And someday we will be able to dwell with the Lord. And that part, the forever part, oh man, this stuff is just a blip on the radar. This will pass away and we will be able to just dwell with the Lord and enjoy him forever. I hope this has been encouraging to you guys. Again, sometimes I wish you could see me in the closet, even though then you'd see that I'm sitting here in my sweats and my slippers, but I've got a big smile on my face because I just think that the Lord is so good and he is so kind to just give us purpose. He created us for this. And in the little decisions and in the big ones, man, he is in all of it. So I hope that's encouraging to you guys. I'll catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at avcreek.com.